Boys, let's see if we this let's see if we can make this as smooth conversation as possible through these uh these Zoom times. Um give us number one, thank you both for coming on. Number two, give us a rundown of who you guys are, what you guys do, and what why you guys are different as well because I want to I want to like really demonstrate and illustrate both of y'all as point of difference. Um, throughout the, the facilities you work out and uh, your profession and your service that you guys offer. Yeah, no problem. So um, my name is Jordy. Um, I started Perspective Training um, about five years ago out of a commercial gym and just evolution progressed on um, throughout the career as did Perspective Training to what it is today. I'm lucky enough to have Brendan jump on board with me, which I'm very honoured and excited to have. Um, Some with his knowledge um, and also practical skill level. Um, so myself, I mainly train um, the athletic population, um, ranging from youth all the way through to a few masters as well. Um, and that's that's the really low key version of that. Um, been lucky enough um, over the last year and a half to progress into O2 Performance, which is a facility based out of the sports hub on the Sunshine Coast. Um, and to me, that's that's the point of difference. It's, a, it's an absolutely incredible facility. Um, it's world-class in what it is. It, without a doubt, I believe it's one of the best facilities in Australia, um, if not the best, um, purely based just off the, the equipment um, and also the resources in and around the facility itself um, is, is top-notch and, and world-class in my eyes. So um, that'd probably be the biggest point of difference from, from my point of view is the ability to be surrounded by such uh, good people, knowledgeable people, and then also to have the equipment and facilities to back that up. Yeah, Brendan? Sweet. So I'm Brendan. Uh, I've obviously recently joined Geordie um, up here on the Sunshine Coast. Um, been around a little bit and transitioned myself up to a, a bit of a holiday destination and um, yeah, love it up here. And um, I've been you know, in the industry 10 years now with uh, bachelor's degrees and, and master's degrees and um, all the qualifications under the sun and worked with um, semi-professional sport uh, running high performance programs and done strength and conditioning at universities and uh, started out while I was in my undergrad as a personal trainer uh, at the uni as well. So started from the bottom and and worked up to where um, where we are today. And um, you know, I think we bring a lot of experience. Um, although a lot of it is sport based and high performance based, it's still just development uh, of people. And um, you know, we have plenty of resources up here that. You know, a lot of places don't have, uh, and especially for a regional place within Queensland, um, it's um, you know, it's pretty yeah, top notch. Exactly what Geordie said. Absolutely. I'm looking and I'm putting on the screen for people so they can see, uh, you know, both of y'all's um, Instagram. And what I'm looking at is really representing what you guys are talking about. This, I don't know, have you guys seen the UFC Performance Institute? Have you guys seen that facility? Uh, in Sydney? No, uh, the one in Vegas. Not in person necessarily, but just at least on videos. I've seen a little bit of it when it comes to some of the, like the fight promos and things like that. Right. Um, so, uh, to give you clarity, like that's what this reminds me of. This reminds me of just a super high-level performance facility 
how did this all come about? Did you guys have involvement in that? Was that some somebody else? Like, how did this incredible O2 Performance Center come about? And how did you guys get involved in that? Yeah, so it's one of those things where you're just in the right place at the right time. Um, Brendan and I happen to be working with each other at the same place um, down in Brisbane at a, an allied health facility um, when O2 basically was just about to open. And I actually told Brendan, I'm going to have a look at this place. And we're both honestly a little bit skeptical at the start because it looks so good mm. and it's almost too good to be true. Um, you know, and if you've been around the industry long enough, um, you know, some things like that pop up all the time and they don't often tend to last or at least be what they say they could potentially be. Um, so Miguel Reggiano um, is the, the majority owner and the vision behind the performance facility itself. Um, and he could make, he could walk you through the gym and tell you exactly why he picked this particular roof tile, this particular rack, why the dumbbells face this way, airflow, the sun, anything about the facility and anything around it, he will be able to tell you everything to a T. Um, and that's sort of the, the mentality behind it is, um, it is like we've already discussed, probably one of the best ones going around, but it also, it's all inclusive as well. So he's thought about um, wheelchair athletes, um, general pop, mums and bubs, all the above. It, it, it does still suit your goals or your needs depending on who the person is. Um, so it's that all inclusive environment as well, which also ticks a few boxes. Yeah, it very much has, yeah, you walk into the space and it, it very much has anything that anyone could possibly want. So, you know, it's not it's not just an athlete gym where you only have, you know, a leg press. It's got leg press, leg extensions, every deadlift machine available. So the it's it caters to everyone. Where we where we have a GHD, uh, typically an athlete gym might have three or four GHDs. This is still it's only got one, but it's got at least one of absolutely everything you could possibly want. Uh, then alongside of the you know the the big blocks of lifting racks and platforms which are you know, an immense number and plenty of space and now this is a private facility or it is a commercial gym that's open to the public uh so it's a private facility however it is commercially based so and you know it's got a membership based model um there's different trainers of different backgrounds and qualifications and skill levels that work out of there as well um, certain group classes um, as well as so and then but in the facility itself which is the sports hub it is actually run as a non-for-profit so it's a community-based facility um, and within that is the gym is physio clinics is the recovery room is the cryotherapy um, place is you know a yoga studio pilates studio all the other allied health uh, components of it as well it's got an f45 upstairs like it is genuinely everything and the gym side of it what you're looking at is definitely based around that commercial gym space that everyone can use can you guys actually talk about like the business aspect of the sports hub running inside of o2 and then you have perspective training like underneath that how do you what made you guys think to separate them all i know o2 is obviously not you're owned by you but what made you think to separate those two and integrate them together I just think at the end of the day, it's the same um, belief values and and um, outcomes that we're after. So the gym, you know, it's 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 built by great people. It's run by great people. It has a great uh, community and, and feel about it. And at the end of the day, 
how we look at or how I look at the business is it needs to be in a, in a place that represents those values and, and morals and beliefs. In my mind, you know, I always try to have a high performance mentality and model. Um, and, and, you know, you always want to be the best in, in whatever way that may be. And it just seemed to fit in that facility in this um, environment very well. Um, so for me, it was honest as a no brainer, absolutely no brainer. I think it's one of those things, is, uh, especially within, you know, as a private business, you dream of having facilities like this. And what it's done is someone has actually done it for you and is offering you that without the risk of you having to invest in that yourself directly. Um, so it's opened up the opportunity for a business-like perspective to be so much bigger, quicker than what it was actually ever intended to happen that way. Right. Yeah, and it does also attract the right people as well. So it attracts the athletic population, it attracts coaches, um, schools, teams, you know, all the above. So for you guys, is it a sense of, you know, I don't need to actually open up my own facility, you know, because I ha- we have this incredibly made and designed place, although it's not owned by me, although I don't take, you know, the profits home from the, the big business that it is, or do you guys, does that excite you guys and you'd be like, yeah, maybe I can do that somewhere else in the world or in another state or do something else off the back of that? What do you guys think when you experience that? Yeah, it's always a piece you want, wants to make all the calls and all the decisions. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those things growing up and working in commercial environments and then in the allied health and then now back to this, you learn the whole way along. You learn what, what works well and what doesn't work well. And still to this day, I still write notes um, at home every now and then of things that I think could still be better, things that do really, really well that I would never have thought of. So in the back of my mind, I'm still always thinking one day I want something like this um, and just trying to take on all those experiences and all those learnings and teachings and piece that together into hopefully what would be something quite similar, but again, even better. Right. And I think with the Sunshine Coast as well, it's a it's a untapped area as it comes to performance. Um, like within the radius of here to Brisbane, I mean, there's nothing like this. So to, to sit down and get a head start into an area that is so developing for a business is it is exactly what Joey said. It's a no-brainer. And you're developing relationships with people that clearly know what they're doing and listen to the right people. And um, yeah, like you said, it's, I think it's every coach's dream at one point. You're not going to be the guy who's putting cones out every night. So there is that dream that at one point, you know, you will own your own facility and, and have a lot more of a, a stable setup that, uh, of a home base, if you want to call it that. But, um, you know, they've made it clearly very easy here for that to be a, this is the starting place for that. So, what did you guys like? What are those things you you are learning through this process, through working through this facility, but also, and just in the last year especially, what has been those main things that you guys have like stuck out to you? Like, like that's a that's a valuable lesson. Like I didn't realize that before. Those moments. Yeah, I mean, where do you start? <laughs> Honestly, you can go on, but I think the biggest one, um, we're lucky enough that in the last year, we've had multiple professional teams come through from NRL, AFL, um, netball, uh, and even high-level schools and things like that. Um, mate, the biggest thing is communication and being open to saying yes. I know it's a bit of a cliche thing, but, um, you know, 
can you come in on a Saturday really quickly and take a guy through the gym and just show him a few things? Yeah, mate, no worries. That bloke turned out to be the high performance manager for the GWS Giants. Next thing you know, when the GWS Giants come up, you actually already had a you know half a foot in the door with them. So it's just building those relationships and just being open to doing the little one percenters. Um, that'd probably be the biggest one for me because the opportunities are just at your feet. You just got to grab them. And I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously been a very tough year uh, for the fitness industry, especially um, through COVID. And um, I take a little bit more of a personal standpoint where um, I've gotten to a point where I, you need to really value who you are and what you are. Um, and I think as an industry, we, we've skated by on a lot of undervaluing the professionals that we are. Um, so for me, what I've learned is that we need to put that value on ourselves and uh, we need to make sure that we're doing the best we can within our industry to provide what a professional service actually is and, and what professionals we actually are. Um, you know, I've gone from that exactly what Geordie's saying where at the start you're interning and you're not making any money and you're doing nothing and you're trying to find your own client base and you're stressed out it to your eyeballs and then you go take the next step into say allied health where you're paying 50% commission on something and that feels like you're getting robbed a little bit and then it just it's been stepping stones in your whole career to make sure that you're at the point where you you know what you're worth and i think we have a lot of um value to give people to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes that well certainly i've made i'm not going to speak to Jordy. i think it's perfect but um you know I, I don't want people to make those mistakes and i'd like to mentor people through that process of it's not just the knowledge it's not just what how good a coach you are or how good a personal trainer you are it's um it's actually making sure that you're not being taken for a ride and, and you are getting what's valuable for you and for me like i was saying you know i've lived in canberra i've lived in sydney i've lived in perth i've lived in brisbane and transitioned slowly to the sunshine coast where i live uh, an absolutely gorgeous lifestyle that most people would would want to retire with and i'm financially stable so uh, I think that's what I really want to pass on to people that it actually can be a really lucrative in, uh, and not so, not necessarily financially, you know, you don't necessarily need to be taking a million a year, but I can, you know, you can make a lucrative career out of this and live a great lifestyle as well. So I'd love to dig into that because I think that is such like such an important point. One, understanding your value as a coach and then understanding that, you know, I think the personal trainer and coaches, the, the profession is in this country is looked at not much respect by the general population. People don't really think you can make a living being a coach and trainer. In fact, Joe DeFranco, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with, he has him coming up. It's like through through the years, he'll talk about and reminisce and reflect that when you tell somebody that you want to become a PT or a coach, they're like, oh, okay. That's like, a, oh, it's a phase thing. It's like, oh, they're going to do that right, for a little right bit. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you guys show, and so many people I speak to and we speak to show that, hold on. You, you can make six figures you can and then you could do it while revolutionizing and changing people's lives for the better right so can you guys speak about okay one the first point is how does a coach know their value especially starting out how do you figure out your value because sometimes like Amir uh, Amir says um, who I've spoken to you got to eat shit sandwiches at the start right? How do you know you got when you got to eat shit sandwiches and just be in the dirt and work for free and do that stuff versus hey I no I'm this is dozens of hours of my time I need to be valued for this. You got to. 
No, I think Amir's, Amir's on the money. When you start out, you you don't know your value. Honestly, you don't. Um, and you you have to find your value. And the only way to find your value is to is to learn. And without being again cliche, but you know, do do a bit of time in the trenches, build your knowledge set, um, take it down after a period of time to what you think your niche could potentially be, um, and you know the the populations you enjoy working with. Um, I think that's where being a personal trainer in a commercial setting is so valuable is the fact that you get to work with mums, um, youth athletes, um, elderly population, you know, um, sometimes special needs, NDIS clients and things like that. And all of a sudden, after six months, you go, wow, I really do enjoy working with the elderly population. You know, I seem to communicate with them really well. I've learned how, you know, what makes them tick. Um, that's the route I really want to go down. And then all of a sudden, um, you start to get a few of those those um, clients on your books and you start to all of a sudden there's your value i i really enjoy working with these people they enjoy working with me um, and then the money's the exchange it happens in the middle um, and again when you become you get more experience you um, get better qualifications and you can transfer that into your practice that's when your value will naturally increase as well um, i think yeah to say what your value is off the bat that's and i think that's where the sometimes the, the uni system can be a little bit backwards because you come out and you think this is exactly what i'm worth mate sometimes you need to take that step back and just go i need to do a little bit of hard yards first um yeah i to, think to, to build you know my value yeah and i think i think your value is off your client base so um in the nicest way if you're terrible with people and you have terrible clients you're going to be on terrible money um, if you can surround yourself with clientele that see value in you, they will, they'll pay for that. And then ultimately, as well as you build that client base, you have to then put the value on, on your time with that client base you have. So at the start, when you don't have clients and you're running 10 sessions a week, you have to run those 10 sessions a week when they want to run the 10 sessions a week. When you're running 40 sessions a week, you then get to start to pick and choose when those sessions are and you can, you actually can afford to start to tell people, Hey, I can't, can't do that at that time. I'm already flat chat. And you get to pick the clients that are good value that, you know, are going to stick with you for long periods of time and make it more stable. And, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a very business mindset to it is that you, you're dictated to of how your clientele value. And on the flip side of that, if you want to take it to a personal standpoint, uh, is you need to have those values yourself. So if if you want good clientele, you need to be a good person. I think it's irrelevant. I've had uni students come out uh, into prac hours or first year or second year uni students and they're terrible with people and they know everything. So you can't say that the value is put on how much their hex debt was mm. or how much education they have um, or how knowledgeable they are or how well they can apply it. Because I've seen guys also that can apply everything in the perfect scenario, but they're still not good with people. Um, and they can't explain things to people. They don't get people and they don't actually understand this is a people business. So uh, I think you need to be the, the example of the person that you want to be working with you. You need to be that to start with and, and you'll start to attract those people to you and um, be that other coaches that can support you. And, you know, there's plenty of times where you know, I've got connections and Geordie's a good person. So I help Geordie and pass on a connection to Geordie and, uh, Jordy knows that, oh, actually, this client's come to me and I, he might not work well with George. So Jordy goes, he'll be really good for Brendan. And, um, so it, that had nothing to do with how much I knew 
or that had nothing to do with how I how many leads I generated or any of that. It actually had to do with how good a person you are, how how your values and how you treat people. So um, I think your value lies in whatever you you withhold as a person, not so much what you have as your your resume. I think that's both of you really great advice and consistently this is what I keep hearing like communication human understanding human behavior um, understanding how to communicate to a wide variety of people and I want to go a bit further on that you talk about values as you guys know we certify students to become or we deliver a Cert 3 and 4 in fitness um, and you guys are going to be working with us very soon which we're excited about but oftentimes people are quite young teenagers early 20s, right? They don't even understand their values, right? And we, we dig into this in the, when I do, when I teach the classes, I dig into this and we figure out their whys and we try and build and understand these values. But for a lot of people out there, even beyond coaching and health, they don't understand their values. How do you guys, how did you guys learn what your values were? Was it, And how would you guys recommend people understand their own values? Yeah, straight up, I just, I just made mistakes and I just made mistakes and I learned that, um, uh, unfortunately I, you know, I wasn't surrounded by you know, a huge plethora of mentors. And when I went through, we didn't have social media like we do with the, you know, the Lockie Wilmots and, and the Carls and, you know, we didn't have these guys that were genuinely leading the industry. Um, and that we've really had no one to go to. So, um, when, when we talk about, uh, you know, where you find your values. I made, I found my values off mistakes. I found value off, you know, either way, the way a client treated me or the way I treated a client. Um, and I had to constantly apply something and evaluate and apply it and evaluate. And I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and obviously none of them so bad that, you know, I'm in jail or bankrupt, but to the point where, you know, you actually start to figure out the sort of person you want to be and the, um, and the sort of coach you want to be and, and just the sort of person you want to be. Um, and I also, I also grew up, and I'm happy to say it, that I was from a, from a relatively um, a very, very loving family and, and my parents gave me values to live by to start with, which always really helped. Um, so when, you, when I look at that as a coach, you know, I almost want to be that parent figure to two people that I mentor and, and that person that they can come to if they're having issues coaching or personal life or, or anything. Cause, um, I had a balance where, you know, I had uh, a sporting career where I had people who I could go to and I could talk to. And, um, I think that's what makes you figure out what you value it and, and, uh, how you value other people. Okay. And like Brendan said, it's, it's experiences, um, all the good experiences and all the bad ones and everything in between that helps create your overall, you know, I suppose value model and what you see, um as important whether that may be family friends time work you know everyone values different things and i think your values also change periodically as well at times you may value work a little bit more over family because you have to and then you know, then vice versa um so that that's my little take on on the values yeah and i think you just got to be open yeah. so i think people who aren't willing to receive feedback yeah um, people who aren't, aren't willing to offer feedback um, I think you need to be willing to give and take to, in this industry um, and you're not always going to be right. Um, and, but also being wrong is not necessarily a bad thing either. It's just an opportunity to learn. Absolutely. 
with the values within your coaching, within your business, what are both of yours uh, pillars, main value pillars that are your big rocks, your foundational pillar values that you that are you deploy in your coaching service? Yeah, it's just a high performance mindset and, and mentality. So everything that you do, um, whatever it may be, whether it's you're doing your movement prep, your warm ups, um, your main lifts, your boring resilience work, it's just done really well, and it's done with the mindset of that it's it's I'm doing this for the right reasons, and I'm doing it to get better. Um, and that's the same when when I try to coach, I don't try to muck around and you know look this way and look that way and i'm focusing on that person or, or that group of group of people at the same time trying to provide as much value as possible that they can get out of that that session um or sessions at the end of the day i'd like someone to walk around after six weeks and say mate i've actually learned way too much from you i don't need you anymore yes um then be with me for six years uh, yeah and go away for a week and they go fuck i forget how to train i need you to be here that's not really what what it's about um, creating really good autonomous humans that can make decisions for themselves is, is really important to me. It's really antithetical to business at, like because you want to make yourself redundant, right? Yeah. Make, yeah. A cli- make your clients autonomous enough to be able to, if I, if I disappear, you got this, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, paradoxically, sometimes it works the other way where because that service is at such a high level and because you, you, you deliver that type of like detached service where you know what it's okay like i don't want you to be reliant on me they often stay with you for longer yeah and it's also that it's also that willingness to pass the pass on so i think that a lot of people in the in the fitness industry just have and especially we send it in our health like just too big an ego mm. like if you can't do it find someone who can so if you've got a guy who's just persistently with a sore knee and you can't fix it as a practitioner and you've tried with your set of skills, pass the buck, mm. send them to a physio, send them somewhere else, refer them on because they, you're exactly right. It's, it's that relationship building that you have will get them back and it'll get more back in return than what you give. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a big one. Having, having the clients or, or the athlete as the center point, not... Yeah, not, not you as a, you the, the coach or no single trainer. person knows everything. No, and I think the the second that you know you you become a coach or a, a personal trainer that pretends like the guy next to you is doing any different to what you are, um, as as an actual skill, I think is is wrong. Um, I think what you deliver individually as a person is what's going to be the the big point of difference as a coach. Mm. I mean, there's so many resources out there. The universities going exercise science to the ringer so i think we need to you need to make the point of difference not that you're actually better at the coach the the one-on-one the x's and o's coaching that you're actually just a better person as a coach is what's going to deliver the difference have you you guys had those moments where and i'm sure you have i'd love to hear them where you've had that ego challenge moment where you've tried and tried and tried to solve the problem and you probably took and you probably pushed it a bit too far and you probably should have referred out earlier um or or seeked external assistance but you tried to just keep pushing it because you wanted to be the guy that could solve the problem have you guys experienced that absolutely (laughs) (laughs) you'd be if you if you could seriously look at someone and say you've never done that as a coach then you'd be definitely lying in the face um 
I mean, it may even quite recently, my, I got a bunch of footy boys that were in NRL teams and during COVID they got dropped as the squads got dropped and now they're back on the coast and he didn't want to see, so he, he pulled up, they've been working very hard over the last eight weeks. Their, their low has been quite high and he pulled up quite store the other week doing some speed work and it was a, just a little hammy tweak. And I said, mate, you need to go see a physio. Uh, and he goes, oh, look, I've been to physios, you know, and then again, casting the blanket. Um, I don't want to see a physio. Let me know what it is. You know, I'm not a physio and I don't diagnose. We've done a few tests, which we all know, um, which is important to know things, but also not diagnose. And, I, you know, we, we come up with a game plan and our game plan didn't work. Mm. He should have went and see a physio at that point in time. We got him into a physio yesterday and he's got a little, little grade one niggle. Um, that could have been prevented by also me being saying, mate, you actually need to go to see a physio and not saying, look, oh, you know, let's go about it this way. Uh, and that's look, in the last month. So yeah, there's plenty of things. I'm sure we could all we could all point things like that. I think, and I think where where I learned the most was on the opposite end. Um, you know, especially through an allied health eye, where I've seen people with physios twice a week and not see any change, and know that you're you're the guy that actually could have made a bigger difference in in their development as a person. And uh, and then you sit back and you as as a person, I sit back and evaluate that. And I see that, hey, that person kept on to try and get an extra dollar out of a client um, and didn't actually help that person grow. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the guy who's just sucking a dollar off someone if I'm not making them better. Um, and that was, the, that was the big turning moment for me was when I sat back on the outside and realised, hey, if, I, if I'm not making a positive change in someone, I still need to be the person that can get that even if it's from someone else. Um, and it's a bit of a maturity thing. So uh, for me, it came when I realized I couldn't do everything. Yeah. Um, it, and, it, yeah. It's that pillow. It's that tough uh, pill, but also it's a, it's a humble pill to swallow. And I appreciate you both sharing I that. It. I love it. I, I do less work. Right. Yeah. Less I have to worry about. And um, I think as well, once you surround yourself with some resources of people, even if you're the ones passing on the message, you can get the advice from other people, um, especially working in, in high-performance sport running programs like that. You know, I'm not a physio. I have physios that work for me. That doesn't mean I'm a physio. That means when there's issues, I get their professional advice and we have a, an educated discussion about it to come up with the best resource. Now, that doesn't mean I'm necessarily the one delivering it or, or, or I might be, but uh, it definitely comes with that maturity of, yeah, I don't know everything. And I think uh, when you get to about, four or five years into your career and you've done 12 professional development courses in a bit of everything, you realize, hey, if I want to be the best at everything, it's going to take me 100 years and I'm going to be broke. So um, you do pick what you, you really enjoy doing and, and then you find other people around you that complement that mm. um, and that you know, delivers a really good service. Yeah. And, there's, and there's no shame in being wrong either. No way. When you are early on in the industry, um, you always want to... You want it. Sometimes it's the other way around. You just want to help so much that you're you're willing to do be wrong to help as well. Um, where you can just say, well, "Mate, I actually don't know. Let's let's go go somewhere else that will be able to help you, you know, find the answer." Yeah, and back on your like the way you coach it, you know, I the big things I look at are, are trust and and honest feedback, and I think they work hand in hand together. Where you know, if you've got trust between you and a client, however 
you say something or however they ask you questions. If someone asks me something, I say, I don't know, I'm going to find someone else who does and I'm going to help that out. You know, that builds trust between you and the client. That builds trust between you and someone else that you're not going to do that. And, and then once you've built trust with people, you can deliver honest feedback. Um, I think it's really hard when people get delivered feedback and they take it personally. It's usually because they don't have any relationship with you and they don't have any trust with you that that feedback is coming from the right place. So um, I think they're the two things that as you matured as a coach, I found that um, I've surrounded myself with people that I really trust, uh, clients and mentors or coaches or, or other people, colleagues. Um, and then that meant we could have honest feedback conversations, either delivering or receiving. Um, and it got the best out of me as a person and it got the best for my clients. How do you develop that trust, um, especially as, as an early coach and trainer, which a lot of those people are listening right now, how do you guys develop trust with your clients and even just other human beings um, yeah. in an effective Mate, way? That's exactly what you just said, man. It's just treating them like they're a human being. They're not a client and you know you send someone to go warm up on a treadmill and you leave them there for five minutes and then you walk up to them and start your session. You've missed five minutes of an opportunity to build a relationship with someone. Hmm. Um, now, like, it's that balance between you're not just there to be a professional relationship. You're actually a lot of the time as a personal trainer there to build a relationship with someone that is a little bit more than that. And I've heard some stories from people that they probably shouldn't have told me because I'm not a psychologist and, um, but you end up being that ear that they want to lean on. And, um, it's literally just like any relationship you have. It's like, if we sit down with, you know, if my mum tells me that I'm being an idiot, uh, in nice ways, uh, I'm not going to turn around and say to bite back at my mum and be like, no, I'm not. Like if my mum says that to me, we've got a relationship over time that's developed that she can give me that feedback. And I go, Hey, actually she's, she might have a point here. I'm going to have to evaluate that. Um, it is just a time thing, um, but it's also spending every bit of time you can. Um, you know, when I was when I was doing Allied Health, I would never book for more than 45 minutes with the client, but that meant I had half an hour either side that they're there early, which means that I can spend 15 minutes with them early that they're not, you know, being booked for. Um, and at the end, when we're, they're cooling down, that we can actually that's the time to to shoot some shit. Um, and build a relationship with them. And then in that 45-minute session, we're actually just hitting what we need to hit. Um, and to me, that was just that, building that relationship with that client, sending them a message the next day saying, hey, hope you pulled up okay, let me know if there's any issues. Sending them a message on the, on the Sunday, hey, we've got a session on Tuesday, let me know if there's anything in particular you want to work on. It just means that there's always those touch points which, um, you know, as a normal person, you feel like you're cared for, and, you know, you should be, as you should be. Yeah, and trust is developed over time as well. Like you're going to meet, meet someone on day one and expect for them when you say jump, they just jump, um, you know, over, over a period of time through doing good actions. And I suppose them being exposed to your values, which we touched on before, they will then develop trust back into you. So then it's that two-way street where, you know, you can rely on them just as much as they can rely on you. And that's very important in a service-based industry as well. When you guys talk about maturity, because there's a lot of aspects here that always trying to bring back to the coach and trainer, right? When you guys talk about trust, it's like that's super valuable because a lot of people don't know how to build it. And when we talk about maturity, 
um, what are those early lessons that you guys learnt through the maturation process of being a coach that you would tell the young new coaches coming through? Essentially, when you guys do the intakes and take our and your future students, what is what is the day one like? If I could tell them these lessons, what would they be that you wish you knew? Uh, my, yeah, my one would, like, especially with you know, with clients and, and we're talking about people that, you know, you're, you're going to be relatively new to the industry and um, you're probably not going to have a, a huge base to stand on when you're telling people what to do and, and how to do it. So it's um, if you turn up like you're entitled to that, people are going to dismiss you real quick. Uh, it comes across with a lot of arrogance and it, it, what's seemed like arrogance and it might just be confidence, but it comes across as arrogance. And um, I think the, the, the early stage of being uh, a personal trainer is the best thing you can do is just try to get to know people and the person um, because that's how you'll get to know the best out, like where they want to go and what they actually want. Um, so for me, it's always just that, that almost that recon. Every time you're having a conversation with them, you're trying to pick up little bits of that conversation and ask a lot of questions. And it's not about you as a trainer. When I was, uh, when I was going through as a personal trainer, all I wanted to do was just have the biggest arms in the gym. So everyone would come up to me and be like, man, he's a good trainer. Well, that was irrelevant. No one cared about how big my arms were or how good I looked. No one cared, no one cared at all. Um, it is actually just that, um, yeah, asking questions and, and understanding other people first and, and giving everyone the same opportunity uh, that comes through that door as a client. Yeah. Um, day one for me, it's about being a professional as well. I think, um, you know, like we sort of mentioned earlier, very early on is that people sometimes do laugh or, or laugh or snicker or, or have negative views on the fact that you are a trainer or a coach mm. because you can wear joggers and, and shorts or if you're a girl wear tights and, and and crop tops and whatever it may be but you are a professional you're in a you're in an industry that you know is it's real um so number one be a professional you know basic things turn up on time don't have a coffee in your hand when you're coaching someone um little things like that those little mannerisms people pick up on pretty quickly and that will help you gain the the respect and, and trust of the clients a lot quicker um, but also number two is just just be a person you know, share some stories from yourself. People will always remember the, the stories you told them, not the the undulating program that you, you gave them that they, mm. you know, gained X amount of strength in. They'll more care about the conversations that you had and the, the lessons that you that passed on or they passed on to you. And not um, your gym stories either. No one cares about your gym stories. Yeah, genuine, genuine, genuine stories, stories, you know, that, that they can relate so that, again, you're a relatable person. You're not, a, you're not in a position of authority and power. It is, you know, it's a... You're there together. What mistakes did you guys make early on? All those ones I just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, I, I, I agree with Jordy on that. Like, we did a bit of it all, mate. Like, I, uh, I certainly walked through the gym like when I knew nothing and thought I knew everything. And um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was a really tough early stage when you like. I was early in my. Uh, undergraduate degree when I started personal training and um, I learned some really hard lessons on that I you know I thought I should have been more an hour and I, you know I was too busy thinking about myself um, and 
you know, I, you know, thinking that you should be booked more than you are and where are all these finances to come from and not actually having a good look at what, who actually impacts that. And the person that has the biggest impact on that was me as an individual. Um, and no one cares what you look like. No one's judging you. I mean, you walk into a gym, more people are ju- thinking about what you're thinking about them to think anything about you. Right, like, right, right. So it's, I think that was one of the big ones is, you know, check that ego at the door. Um, and realize that you're actually there for other people. You're not there for yourself. Uh, and if you, and genuinely, if you, if you're coming into the industry and you want to be a millionaire coach that is to the stars, and you know, I think you, you probably need to check the industry that you're in because, um, you know, that we are run on good people. And um, if you want to be one of those people that comes into the industry and in six months is off doing an electrical apprenticeship. Not saying that's the right or wrong thing to do, um, but if you want to be someone that actually lasts in the industry, uh, you really need to check that you're actually in it for other people. You're not in it for yourself because you'll be you'll be awfully disappointed if you're here for yourself. Right. That's yeah, I mean, everything. Everything Brendan said, and then the the quicker you can find people that um, mentors people that have the same values as you, and that could be a totally different profession. Too, it doesn't have to be in coaching. Yeah, that could be you know, a real estate agent, because at the end of the day, they're in a service-based business as well. They have to deal with people. But people that you can just, you know, I had a, this issue, what would you do within this circumstance? And all of a sudden, you're starting to critically think a little bit more and, and understand potentially why you, you do certain actions or have certain reactions to certain situations um, and, and just think a little bit more critically about you know, yourself in, in general. And that makes a massive difference when you can reflect on certain, you know, behaviours or, or actions as well. Yeah, I think I think one of the other big mistakes I made when I was early on um, was it was all about the gym and it was all about training and it was all about performance and it was so. Um, I think when I started to really um, make headway, I when I left the gym, it wasn't about the gym anymore. The friends I had, what we talked about, what people talked to me about. If someone said, "Hey, how's training going?" I'd be like we can talk about, let's talk about something else. Like it's not, um, it's not the be all and end all. And I think once you, if you're someone who is really internalized about training and that's your life and that's everything it's about, when you have clients, that's what you push onto them. And a lot of clients you're going to get aren't the people that want to be in the gym 12 hours a week. Like these, some of these people are just trying to tick the box on their health and fitness or just want to get through a rehab program or they just want to, you know, even if it is a bodybuilding comp, you know, that if they want to go through that stage of their training, it isn't their life and there is more to it. Um, I think once I started to realize that uh, there was more to life than just training and eating and sleeping and, mm. and then and making money around that. Uh, and started to become a much more whole round person that could have conversations with different people about anything. Like if you have a real estate agent client or if you have a lawyer client, have something to talk to them about. Like if you can't, then I think same thing. You need to have that demographic where you can talk to anyone about anything and it's not related to you. So Because um, you're a well-rounded, good human being, right? Who has correct. skills like, beyond your actual profession. Uh, we, we keep ending up there, don't we? So, right. It's, yeah, uh, it's funny that. Uh, it is funny that, but all the successful people I know and all the role models that I look up to, ultimately, the best thing I could do is I just want to have a beer with them all and not even talk about strength yeah. conditioning once. Like, that's they're, they're the people I look up to, and they are genuinely great coaches, great PTs, great business people. So, 
um, and I don't talk to them about any of that funnily enough. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Who are the mentors for you guys? I know you guys did some work with Athletes Authority. Is that one of the big ones? I know uh, Lockie Wilmot. Um, I heard Paul Meldrum describe Lockie Wilmot in that way. What he realized is that Lockie realized he needed to have skills beyond just training. He, he needed to develop other hobbies. Um, is that something you learned through them? And, and what was your experience with, with AA? Yeah, so I'll do a little quick story because I think it always, when you pay homage to, to people, it needs a bit more context to it. So a few years ago, I went down to Sydney with one of my mates who was working at Lyft at the time. Um, lift performance it's now not there as of in early this year unfortunately um but he introduced me to a guy called dan o'neill and he actually did a little bit of work with woody um way back in the day and, and woody sort of put him on the the path that he was you know in athlete performance and athlete development and he exposed me to that sort of training and that sort of methodology and so when i come home i was like well i really enjoyed that then all of a sudden hey dan who do you um who do you get all your info from? Oh, you know, these guys, blah, 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 blah. You start going down that little rabbit hole. And next thing you know, you've developed a really great community of coaches and, and people you can reach out and ask questions. Um, then the next time I went down to Sydney, um, do you know Luke Edgel mm-hmm. um, from Edge Performance? So went and had a coffee with him, an absolute legend. We had a, had a coffee and lunch and just shot the shit. Um, Graham Morris went and watched a field session with him and then had three beers, um, you know, um, who else? Jonathan Bailey, also from Lyft. So just these guys, and, and Nicola from uh, Nicola Morris when she was at um, University Sydney uh, University of Sydney, as well. So like these guys and girls that they don't have to say yes to to be open to have a chat to them, mm. um, but they are, and they're the people again, the right people for the industry who put you on the track and the trail that you eventually go down, and then you know later on down the track, definitely AA massively. Um, done their emerging strength coach system, done their um, business mentorship with Carl as well, and it's been phenomenal. Yeah, so I like, I was lucky. I was I was playing semi professional football before I got really into strength conditioning, and um, I had an early mentor who was an ex strength conditioning coach at the Chargers in America back in the day, and um, he was probably the first guy that really got me. Firstly, he really got me passionate about strength conditioning and and exercise and uh, the big one was the days that we would. You know, firstly, he was he was a, he was an elderly gentleman. So, uh, and when I say that, I was eighteen, and he was probably forty eight. So that's that's ancient in that time. Right. So, but he was a very good man, and he um, we did a lot of shit. We did a lot of shit together where we did nothing but talk shit. Like we just ragged on each other and and had a good time and watched you know the Super Bowl together and and that sort of business. And uh, that was the first time that I really went, oh wait, this is not all about training. Like. Mm actually about the relationships you connect. So um, I obviously, I met Lockie through uh, through the AFL system. And uh, so I've known Lockie a little bit before Athletes Authority and um, back when he was uh, starting up at the Giants and, and they, with him and, and Joycey there, they showed that it, it wasn't, everything is not just this closed book that, you know, the professionals are doing something different to everyone else. And they were the first people in the industry to really show me that, that it's just such an open industry that we should actually be helping each other. We shouldn't be butting heads against each other, trying to pretend like we have the formula that's going to beat everyone better than someone else. Like that was the first time I really, 
openly turned around and went, okay, it's more than just um, the X's and O's. Like we said, I've got the knowledge and I've got the skills. It's actually now about being just, you know, the person that they want to, you know, they want to have that relationship with. So that's when I sort of met Lockie and I've done all my strength conditioning quals and we did our level three together, me and Lockie, and uh, while he was at Parramatta. And um, I then did my master's where, uh, master's SSC, where I've met some some lifelong friends through uh, Elliot Taylor and Sean Baker. And um, these are all blokes that, you know, if I needed a, a bed, they'd be the first people I'd call. And that had nothing to do with strength and conditioning and that. Yes, that's the common thing that brought us together. Um, but ultimately, you know, like we're saying, you know, they're just good people that, you know, I would, I'd be happy to, you know, happily bring along to a, a Sunday dinner with mum and introduce them and have a good time. And, you know, when someone breaks up with a missus, you know, give them a call and make sure they're okay and uh, go out and have a few beers together. And um, so they're the kind of people that I went through and just made mates with. And, uh, and then obviously, you know, the Brett Bartholomew's when, when you've seen his presentations and, and things like that, and especially when you've seen him in person, yeah, he's an incredible, he is an incredible bloke that has time for everyone. And, um, he, he really opened it up to me that it's so, it was so much more about people than it was. Um, it's a, yeah, so much more about people and the business of people than it was actually, um, the X's and O's of coaching. And, yeah. uh, so they they were the kind of mentors that I had oh, oh, the, and the people that I've looked up to in time. Um, right now as a career goes you know i've um some of my closest friends that are strength and conditioning coaches and, and people in the industry uh that really humble me uh, simone freeman at the giants and um and funnily enough you know two two of the women in strength two of the biggest women in strength and conditioning with sophia nymphius as well from from the uh edith cowan university you know they they're the ones that humbled me the most and made me just recheck that you know it's not, it's not just strength and conditioning. It's about being a good person. And I actually can't remember the last conversation I had with Simone that was about strength and conditioning. Just, yeah, we just... Is that... I'm trying to think, like, all right, when you have world-class, like, elite professionals, like, okay, what's the commonality? Okay, what are the... What's the commonality that transcends them all? And what I'm hearing is that their priority and importance of over... The sets and reps, like sets and reps is is like lower on the totem pole than human behavior, communication. Yeah. I think as you mature as a coach, that's where it sits. Yeah. But earlier, um, earlier on, on, it's the other way. Yeah. And early on, it has to be the other way because it becomes autonomous. Yeah. So um, when you look at when you look at the top strength and conditioning coaches, a lot of those X's and O's and a lot of the tactical side of strength and conditioning and, and the way that you apply it, has to become autonomous before you can prioritize the relationships. That's not to say that it's not always something you should be working on, but um, I tell you right now, if I walked into, oh, mate, if I walked into Bunnings and I had a first day on the job at Bunnings, I would not care about my relationship with clientele yeah. when I walked in that door. You need door. to understand just, all the products. I want to know what my yeah. job is. Yeah, I want to be good at that. And then once you're good at that, you can then start to concentrate on the really important things. Um, I think the relationship building is and and um, the personal side of strength and conditioning and, and personal training. I think it is the most important, mm. but you need to have the skill set autonomously going in the background to support it. Otherwise, yeah, you will run out of clients pretty quick. I think sometimes we forget what it's like to be back. Oh yeah, back then as well. We sort of touched on this before we even jumped on. We we're having a quick chat. Um, like going back then, all I cared about was the X's and O's because I didn't know them. 
so you do need that learnt knowledge and then to be able to apply it and then like we said now the X and O's is we could talk about it all day but that's not what you know gets us excited or makes us get a new client or a new athlete it is the relationships that we build with other people with other coaches um, other professionals as well so it does get better as well yeah that that yeah. first that first you know six months that we first six months to a year that we see a lot of people come into the industry and then drop out really quickly and and that do find it really hard don't realize it does get easier um it and the whole side of strength and conditioning and, and personal training and, and the coaching in general um it is it's like anything it is going to start off tough you need to make it a routine and you need to become very proficient at it to then make it much easier for you but that's, that's any skill if i if okay. i learn the piano i'm gonna suck at it for like six months to a year of just playing scales and just like messing up it's like anything okay. absolutely and and you, that's exactly it mate like you've got to mess up mate the amount of times i've got i've got a hard drive google drive hmm. and it goes back to about 2000 and i think it's 2008 or something of gym programs i used to do that i wrote myself like things i got off bodybuilding.com and like mashed things together and they're awful they're just awful but it was very important that i went through that stage it was very important that i did that for myself and i and for me i was like i was my own biggest test i tried out all these programs and found what worked and what you know i've done every uh, powerlifting program on the planet you know and i can tell you what i liked better more than others and i think if someone asked me for a good powerlifting program i can tell them what ones not to do 100 mm. percent um, but I learned from that. That's exactly that trial and error, that making mistakes, that, um, you know, making yourself experience things to then have a knowledge base to, to you know, draw from. But yeah, I look back at some of my programs and I was, I was horrendous. But you were consistent. 12 yeah. years. Was that, that's 12 years. That was 12 years of, yeah. Consistent you know, training. It was a lot of bicep curls back then. I can tell you what. <laughs> well, this, so they're filling out the shirt right now, so they worked. Oh. It's a small shirt. <laughs> that's that's the trick. That's it. Sit next to Geordie as well. Uh, it's all Black perspective. In color, Alex. You feel it. <laughs> Is that why you call it a perspective? Because you get that different perspective. That's exactly. Correct. That's cool. so, or just a a mirage. Um, yeah. it, to finish off and round out this conversation, it, I want to. Is there anything else you guys see like as? Uh, with the commonalities between these elite professionals, like we see what the, the touch on psychology, is there anything else you guys say? Personally, I like. I always see that there's a strive to improve something within their career or, or their industry. Or um, so, I think even doing even doing a cert three and four, you should still have bigger goals than just doing a cert three and four and. You should have bigger goals than just being you know, a manager of a gym somewhere and you should always be striving for more. And I mean, let's take Brett Bartholomew for, for an instance where, you know, he is an elite coach, but I can tell you right now, he is still probably not even close to his major goals that he's got in his business life, in his career life, in his family life. So I think it's, um, I think when you get people doing those early education courses, they think, that's the be all and end all and that's going to be it that makes you um and it's just not and i, I mean on a personal standpoint that's why Jordy and i have gotten together is this is just the next stage in my career which is outside of that coaching and and being the x's and o's guy i want to contribute something more to the industry and and bring professionals into the industry where i walk into the gym and i'm 
don't look at what someone's doing and go, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I think that's where I feel uh, my next uh, imprint on the, on the industry is. And, um, and be it, may, it might be five coaches that I end up helping to be better coaches than they are now. And that it'll, it'll all just, you know, dribble down. But for me, it's always having those extra goals in either personal life or, or career life or um, that makes those guys really good because they're never there. I mean, you ask those guys, I reckon if you ask Lockie Wilmot, are you close to where you want to be? I tell you, he'd be closer than he was when he did his cert three, yeah. but he's certainly not where he's not there yet. You know, because it always levels up. It, it, you always want to just more and more. Well, if you're yeah. that type of person, yeah. And I think, but I think you have to be a little bit ambitious in this career. I think you have to be a bit ambitious, and you have to want more for yourself, for your clients, for everyone around you. Otherwise, um, you'll get stale, and you'll just want to move on. Mm. It's that um, that growth mindset where you know you you can smell the roses when they're there and you you can you're you're very excited when you finish something and but once i finish something what's the next thing that's going to help me achieve or help the person achieve what they're trying to do and that's it's continuous thing you know um set three and four for me it was it was a starting point it was it was awesome it was great it was a great little learning point and it helped me go i quite quite enjoy this it's i'm going to make a career out of this um which then you go into a gym and you, you start out and you, you learn the hard way. So hopefully what by us teaming up together is we can start to eliminate some of those hard steps and a lot of those mistakes that we learn and just helps help you know, these young coaches and young professionals, um, you know, achieve their, their, their goals and aspirations in this industry, or at least set them on the right path. Um, because yeah, I think mean, there's nothing worse than someone says where you want to be in five years. Fuck, if you told me COVID was going to happen six months ago, you're off your head. There's not a chance that we know where we're going to be in five years. Yeah. This the I, whole idea of setting like five, 10 year goals, I, I based off just that in of itself, what you just said, I think uh, really challenges the idea of only having like long term goals. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, you like, you know, the goals, you know, we always have some sort of goal, that, that golden carrot that's at the end of the tunnel that we're always trying to get. But this, those little, little wins and little steps along the way that add up far greater than that end goal. Um, and hopefully we can just, you know, make some of those little steps a little bit bigger for, for the students that, that are coming through. And, yeah. And I thought, I think as well, we when I went through, like we always go off these shared experiences that we've had. Um, is I probably didn't have sort of a mentor system and a coaching network that when I hit those little goals, but I actually got a little bit of praise for it. You know, it's, it was really hard early on for me when I had to, you know, if I hit a little goal in, in those steps, it was me that had to celebrate that myself um, where I'd like to give that support to people mm. like, to go, you know what, like, dude, just chill out. You've hit a goal. Like, doing really well this is this is a big step in your career and it is um yeah it's it's worth a reward than it is uh and i you know i want to be that in that support network of people that you know ultimately can reach more people than what i can individually so and you guys absolutely will be very soon once we uh you start hosting our intakes which is and it's kind of like just natural we naturally ended up here it's kind of where i wanted to finish the conversation Let's let's be honest for a second, and because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, companies and businesses that offer cert threes and fours, right? There's a lot of options for students to pick, just like a car dealership, right? There's all these different 
car dealerships and cars. Why did you guys... What resonated with you guys about us that... Out of all the ones that you could have chose? We, we had a conversation about it early on and, and we look at... We always go back, who in our networks offers these sort of... Um, these upskilling and, and this, I suppose, latitude component to their business. We've got the Woodfords, um, Peak and AA. You know, they're the three that come to mind straight away. Yeah. Who, who they're the ones that I, like, again, yeah. they're the influential ones yeah. in my career that I've had, um, be it through friendships and, and you know, through um, career, like my career path. Which uh, are all partners of us. Correct. And that's, and that's, that's for us, was the big draw. Yeah. Um, if, if these companies and, and these people that we trust and, and we know and, and do offer a, a great job and a great service, if they're going to use these particular guys, you know, why wouldn't we use yeah. them? And you know, we reached out and it just happened to be that it was, it worked out really well and we're, we're super, we're mate, we're pumped to, to deliver it. Um, but yeah, for us, it's just, it's another lateral component to our development as coaches and also our development as a, as a business as well, where, not a lot of people can say, hey, we actually offer a cert three and four um, on top of our athlete coaching services, on top of um, online coaching service and all these other things. And to us, it just draws a, a more holistic business model, mm. um, a more consistent revenue stream for us as well, for you guys. It, it, it encompasses a lot of things what, that we're about and where we're trying to go and grow. Yeah. Um, and so- I think, I think, I'm at, I think we're, we're at a point where we want to start to give back to the industry. And I, to me, I see this as a, a great opportunity where we can start to offer our shared experiences that we've had, right or wrong, um, and we can share that with other people so that you know they can make practitioners that are going to be successful in this industry. And um, that's to me was the big, you know, the big draw card. It's mm-hmm. just starting to give back and, and starting to share those knowledges and those experiences that my mentors gave me and. Um, yeah, like they said, you know, we've got mates that uh, this is not, you know, this you know, athletes authority and, and peak and, and Woodford that and those sort of guys. They this is not their first day with you guys, so it's you know I think the honeymoon period's over where they they speak some you know they speak some really great things about your your company and the delivery of the cert three and four to the point where as well that um, they can really impact the the students um, with their coaching menta- uh, mentalities and, and values, and um, which I think is really important. You know, it's re- I've, I've been part of a system, education system, um, where, you know, you're really structured and this is all you can do and essentially have no personality input onto that. Yeah. Um, you just got to tick the rubric box. And, and unfortunately, it's not how our industry is. Um, it's not just a tick the box and, and you're there. Like, it's actually giving them an opportunity to understand what it's probably going to take and, and what the steps are and, and who they can talk to. And um, like we said, I just think that's an opportunity for, for me as an individual, I really want to give back. So I think it's a great, great place to start. Well, you guys will be providing that very soon. It's like, it's a number of things. It's like, okay, if, and this is kind of, there's a lesson here. It's like, okay, if you want to work with other people, other businesses, you want to adventure out and do something different. All right. Success leaves clues. Who are the people that you know that, who are they learning off or who are they partnering with? Okay, so that's number one. But then it's, again, it's like you say, giving back. Well, what better way to fundamentally change an industry for the better 
than to get at the root of it, which is the coach beginning in their career, giving them the theoretical foundation and letting them blossom and flower like that tree behind you. Every student that you guys influence will influence dozens to hundreds to thousands of people. And that's one person. Think about over hundreds of people that, that we and you can teach and facilitate. You can impact potentially hundreds of thousands to millions of lives off just that. Yeah, which is more than we could ever reach individually. Yeah, exactly. And all with and all with coaching clients and athletes. You know, it's usually in a one to one or a one to small mm-hmm. uh, environment um, where you know you have a group of coaches that you can develop, and they go and develop other clients and athletes, and all of a sudden it's that trickle on effect of of positivity and and you know good things happening in the industry because um, it's easy to sit back and, and and bash it and say you know you know, the people are doing this wrong. They're not doing that wrong. Well, if you don't put your hand up and, and, and say, hey, well, be we, the change. we're here for a yeah. bit of change and, and we're happy to contribute in, in some way. You can't complain can you? Exactly. unless you're doing that. So, so if you know, yeah, I think that's exactly right. There's so many people that really want to rag our industry and, and people within the industry have so many problems. Well, unless you're going to come with some solutions, yeah, uh, I think you need to sit down and, and reevaluate where you're at because... Uh, I think that's where we're at as well. We we really want to start to make some change and and bring in some professionals that um that really are going to impact this industry. You know, I'm in all honesty. I think with even some of the uh, uh, some of the things that we think are wrong with our industry, you know, it may not be fixed in the next ten years that I'm a career, in this career. And um, so, why not be part of that stepping stone for the people in ten years to have actually changed and made a massive impact and. Um, I certainly know that there's a lot of Cert 3 and 4 courses out there, especially the quick ones and uh, the ones that are just completely online and, and don't give you the professional coaches that Orphic do um, to really learn off, um, which I think is invaluable. It's invaluable. If someone had put coaches like this on a platter at the start of my career, um, I would, I'd be much more, you know, I'd be, I'd be owning this facility. You know right, what I mean? right. That's and the that's thing. Exactly... Who could you have become? Correct. If... So who could these students become if they get that mentorship from day one? Yeah. And I want to work in their facility. So yeah, you know, let them, they do it for me. Like, really good. Yeah. But like, and the great part about the facility that we're in and, and the environment that we can expose them to is this is pretty much as good as it can get. Yeah you know, as, as owning a facility and, and the environment you're going to be exposed to. So, you know, why not be, you know, in that environment from day one, um, have a look around, you know, these are the people and the experiences you're going to hopefully be exposed to one day later on in life. So, and as a coach as well, I think um, with the facility we have here, you'll start to realize that if you're working anything less than this, you know, you should be asking more from the, the people that manage those gyms and, you should be giving yourself a, as a coach the best opportunity to give your clients the best. So um, I think it does. It will put a, a big footprint in the start of people's career to really set a standard for, for what it should be like. Well, well said. I think that's a great place to close this conversation. Um, I want, it's great to talk to you guys because and get a feel for like, okay, the, and I think it's probably vice versa too, to get a feel for the energy and the intentions and the faces behind the names and it's like, cause it's always a bit, it's like a kind of a subconscious, but vetting process that we do. It's like, let's talk to these guys on our podcast. Let's see um, who they are and th- their values. And honestly, guys, it's really exciting. And I'm really excited to work with you guys. Um, it's going to be a 
just the values that you guys hold, the, the standard for excellence, the growth mindset, and the beyond just being good coaches, but being good people. Those are things that really resonate with us and have us looking forward to working with you guys. Yeah, I, I didn't think I'd get on one of these webinars. <laughs> you made it. Hey, I've, I've been watching you on Facebook live stream on the TV. I'm, like, man, I'm there now. You're there, you guys. Uh, it's awesome, mate. Yeah. We're, we're, we're very excited. Yeah, honestly, like I said, we're excited to, to expand the business in that direction and then also to be able to help these these students come through and, and provide them with that mentorship opportunity um, through quality education provided by you guys. Um, and then for us to facilitate that, that's, we're laughing. We're, we're stoked. We can't wait. Absolutely. Is there any place um, people can find you guys? Any last thoughts, comments, questions, asks of our audience? No, honestly, like we're an open book. So if, if you need anything from us, please, please reach out. Um, Perspective Training is um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to personally reach me, which is usually easier, just through LinkedIn, is Geordie Taylor. Um, a lot of the content just gets mirrored across onto that platform, but it's just a bit more professional, I find, on, on LinkedIn. Um, and easier to connect to someone one-on-one. Um, yeah, you can just, I'll, I'll be on Instagram usually. So just Performance Coach Sainsbury um, on Instagram. All spelt how it sounds, I reckon. So. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, can't wait to work with you guys uh, in the future. Likewise, mate. Thank you very much. Pleasure is mine. I'll see you guys later. Thanks, mate. All right. Great conversation. Great guys. Great human beings. Uh, Jordy Taylor and Brendan. I'm going to mess up his name. Saysbury. I think I got that. Um, notice... I'm trying to pick apart. I'm trying to understand, like, what are the commonalities here between these guys and girls? Like, what are the similarities? That where does the success leave clues? And you and I'm just notice them. Put just pulling them out for you guys, so you know that can be valuable um, that you guys can take, and that you know selfishly we and I can take. Like, I'm learning incredible amount every time I, I do these. And we do this every week, Orphic Podcast Webinar Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. If you guys want to be notified, you can go to our website, input your details. We've spoken to a whole bunch of amazing professionals, and we will continue to um, at orphiceducation.com. Uh, all of these are on YouTube and, and uh, on our Orphic Education YouTube and on all podcasting platforms. That is me, Alexander Emanuel. Sandalis, if you guys want to know more about me, you guys can look me up. Otherwise, if you guys want to know more about us, Orphic Education, if you are serious or know somebody who is serious about becoming a certified, qualified personal trainer and coach, then we may be a good fit for you. If you do not want the quick fix, if you if you are not looking for the cheapest course, but you are looking for something that represents the values that we are communicating in these podcasts, then we may be a really good fit for you. We, we'd love to chat. Um, you guys can contact us at our website and our social media. Otherwise, I'll see you guys next week where I'm talking to Paul Meldrum, a Sydney-based long-time coach and performance coach uh, at Meldrum Performance. Uh, look, forward in, look forward to speaking to that man again. I'll see you guys next week. Stay well, stay healthy, stay strong, and don't stop.